September the 15th, 2023. I'm sorry, I'm I'm the official dial twiddler. I'm not just the host. I also do all of the uh, production, which some people call dial twiddling. The twiddling of my dials did not exactly happen the way they were supposed to just a moment ago. So if I seemed a bit flustered, uh, just take into consideration I'm multitasking. People know what that means. And we all know what it means when we have Duncan Giles, our chapter president, with us. Duncan, welcome. Uh, thank you, Larry. It's always good to be here. And, yeah, you perform a double duty doing this, so you need to do whatever needs to be done back there. So, yeah, we'll, we're uh, we're trying to do the production. Uh, chapter 49, NTEU, we do represent most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. I'm a retiree and produce this podcast as a volunteer. And I do want to talk about one thing. Duncan, no, we missed last week. And the reason we missed last week is because you and your wonderful wife, Kim, decided to take a trip. You went to upstate New York to visit a town of about 2,000 people. Now, why would you want to do that? Uh, one of the things on my bucket list uh, was last year we went to Canton, Ohio, another thriving metropolis, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And this time, uh, Kim had said, you know, we're not getting any younger, especially me. So, you know, it's nice, short time married and already getting the shots. Uh, but she's like, if we're going to do Cooperstown and go visit the Baseball Hall of Fame, we need to do that now. So we took two days uh, to drive up there, spent two days at the Hall of Fame, spent a day driving back. Wonderful, wonderful experience. And there was a lot to do around that area um, that we had a great time doing. And I'm just so thankful I've got such an awesome wife that, you know, was into this and you know, she's she's not been a big baseball fan before she met me, but she understood how uh, important and how powerful in walking in the hall can be. And it was just a great experience. And that was an unpaid commercial announcement for Cooperstown, uh, the city and its uh, tourism, by the way. <laughs> but no, I'm glad you had a chance to get away for any baseball fan uh, who cares about the history of the game, particularly uh Hall of Fame's a great trip. So I'm glad you and uh, Kim got a chance to get away a little bit. And that's why we missed a week, but we are back. And you know, Duncan, it's every time we come back, we have the same subject. Government shutdown. Now, there's some very interesting news that has broken, and we've been updating people on our Facebook page. We'll promote that. Go to Facebook, follow or like our Facebook page. Just uh, search under NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana, that exact phrase. You can follow or like our, our Facebook page there. So, Duncan, government shutdown. First of all, let's, let's talk about... Uh, news that we received, which we've been hearing sort of uh, indirectly. It was a direct uh, announcement that's come out in the last two weeks. How will IRS deal with a government shutdown if and when it happens? Yeah, what we've been told and what's going to happen is due to the funds that the IRS has gotten that haven't been pulled back from the Inflation Reduction Act, that means that the all the employees of the IRS will be working if there is a government shutdown. You know, we've had brief ones before. We've had long ones before where, you know, a lot of IRS employees were not working. But this one, all IRS employees will be expected to be at their jobs in the event of a shutdown. 
And there is money to pay the IRS employees. That's the good news, as you mentioned. There's still enough money in the Inflation Reduction Act to carry us through any shutdown. And then, of course, you know, when the, then we'll get our, uh, the, uh, how should I put this, IRS will get their full uh, a budget for the fiscal year that starts October 1st at some point. Who knows when? But here's the other part of this, Duncan. Even though IRS has the money to function, our payroll is run through something called the National Finance Center. The real question is, even though there will be money to pay IRS employees, will they be paid at all or on time if the National Finance Center is handcuffed uh, because of a government shutdown? Yeah, that was the interesting part. And God bless the folks at National NTU, Doreen Greenwald, Anon Mooney, Ken uh, Moffat, Dan Casper asked that, jumped in and asked that very question. Okay, you're going to have them working. You've got the money. Who's going to be paying them? And they've gotten every assurance that the National Finance Center will have um, will have enough staffing to do the payroll. Now, when I read that, when I read that, you know, there every assurance that they'll be doing it, I flashed to the near the end of the movie Animal House, where a very young Kevin Bacon is standing there with his arms up while the crowd is going nuts and going, remain calm, all is well, while he gets run over. So when I hear every assurance, it's not that, yeah, we will get getting paid. We've gotten every assurance. So does that guarantee it? I do not believe it guarantees it. Should we be getting paid with no interruption? Yes, we should. Is that guaranteed? I, uh, you know, I would not bet the mortgage on that one if I were you folks out there. I'm hopeful. I think the IRS absolutely has been told that. But whether the National Finance Center can come through with that promise, that I don't know. Well, Duncan, I mean, here's the thing that always impressed me. Even during government shutdowns, retirees are always paid on time. And it's because, as I as has been explained to me, that the retirement system is, is almost totally automated in terms of how uh, retirees are paid. I mean, shouldn't employees be paid roughly the same way, even though you do have to submit uh, – Time, what used to be called time cards, it's an electronic system now, but you know what I mean. Uh, you know, re- retiree pay usually is set unless you make adjustments online. So um, I guess the, the question is, uh, is this an automated system to the point where you have that assurance that you're going to be paid? You know, Larry, I can tell that you've been retired now for over a decade because you're trying to apply logic to something in the federal government. And logic, a lot of times, has nothing to do with the federal government. Um, In seriousness, there is a lot of automation to this, but because things like SETR have to be done every week and turned in, there's no guarantee that there won't be changes and things of that nature. So it's not, you know, and overtime and things of that nature. So there are a lot more variables than there are for folks who are on uh, who are retired and are getting these types of checks automatically, so that's why I think there's a lot more. Even though a lot of it's automated, there is a lot more hands-on for folks who are currently employed, and that's what gives me concern about you know if you're going to say, okay, you folks are 
you know, have to come in for the National Finance Center, you know, during these times, there tends to be a higher level of sickness, absenteeism, uh, illnesses due to FMLA, things of that nature. So we just don't know for sure. I'm I'm uh, one who hopes for the best, plans for the worst. So I would tell folks to be very hopeful that you'll get your pay on time and it'll be exactly correct. But please, please, please have contingency plans in case it's not. Yeah, and I want to say that uh, even though IRS, we hope, will be paid, at least the money will be there to pay us, hopefully it'll be processed. But I think we have to feel for the rest of the federal government uh, because they're not going to get paid, and uh, some of them are going to have to work without pay for for the duration of whatever this government shutdown might be. Now, the, the real question then is, what are the odds of a government shutdown? The experts, the so-called experts who watch this all the time, are saying there probably will be one. Who knows how long? Now, here's the thing that always gets me. Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House. They have these caucuses where all the people of their party go into a big room on Capitol Hill and have a meeting. They're supposed to be private, but yet there are reporters on Capitol Hill that have multiple sources that are texting them. Some of them are going on Twitter, excuse me, X, and uh, they are, you know, out uh, out on the Twitter uh, X, uh, putting their own updates on. But then you've got these reporters who are getting fed information, who knows how, text message some other way. Uh, to these, I was getting a blow-by-blow account of everything that happened in this this meeting, and I guess it got heated. People, you know, started threatening McCarthy with a with what's called a discharge vote, which means we vote again on the speakership. And he just said, "Hey, go ahead." I use stronger language than that, but he said, "Yeah, yeah. go ahead, do it. That's fine," because he knows there's nobody else that wants his job right now for obvious reasons, seeing what he had to do and promises he had to make to to get that job. So I think the government shutdown is tied into all this, also this desire to to have an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. I'm a believer that impeachments should be investigated when there's a reason to do it. I'm waiting for a reason. I haven't seen one yet. If they have one, I'd be glad to hear it. But so far, there's been no allegation or evidence of a prima facie case, like the lawyers say, of any kind of wrongdoing or illegality or impeachable offense that Joe Biden has committed. So, um, you know, this is what they're busy doing, and yet they're shutting the government down at the same time. So I think we all have to just be concerned because a government shutdown, even if IRS employees are paid, there'll be complexities as to how we get paid. And when other parts of the government are not functioning, that impacts how we do our work. It, it certainly does. And, you know, you take a look at something like the House of Representatives that came back from a recess, worked four days, and then said, well, okay, we're leaving on Friday. Okay, folks, you do realize that the government ends their funding at the end of September. Yeah, okay, we're not going to worry about that. We've got other things that we want to talk about. Yeah, I'm I'm really sorry, and I know we've beaten this like a dead horse, but, you know, this is the work that Congress is there to do, and they need to work together and get this done, and if there are some on either side of the political spectrum who want to make hay with this 
instead of actually do the work, you're going to need to figure out a way to bypass these folks and do what needs to get done because the government needs to get funded. The IRS shouldn't have to count on funds from the IRA to pay its workers. It should be done through the process of the usual appropriations bills. And it hasn't been, and it looks like this year it won't be. It would not surprise me at the last minute that they're able to eke out a continuing resolution, which means they'll fund the government for a shorter period of time at the same levels as this year. But I'm not sure, A, they can do that, or B, how long that might be. So, yeah, it's just, it's it's a sad state of affairs, as we've commented on before, and I just keep hoping something will change. And I'll make one last comment before we move on. We've said enough on this. The Senate, the Senate has passed all their appropriation bills. And I saw a senator on, on a TV appearance recently, and, and she said, look, I didn't get everything I wanted in this, and, and you know, I had to c- compromise. The other side, had they didn't get everything they wanted. They had to compromise. But we passed the budgets. The House has not even passed a defense budget, as I understand it. They had it on the floor, and they, they pulled it over the shutdown shenanigans. So, you know, I, I do think that we have to get back to doing government the way it was supposed to be, compromise get a budget done. And I think the House, uh, McCarthy knows that if the Senate does their work and the House doesn't, Senate's going to get their way. And, you know, does the House want to have an impact on the budget? So I'm going to leave it there. We've talked enough about that. Let's talk about another issue, which we've talked enough about during the tenure of our podcast. It's what, over three years old now. When we started our podcast, uh, it, it was COVID was everywhere, and we were shut down, and it was just an awful situation. We've gone back and forth, talked about COVID ad nauseum, all the legal back and forth that's gone on. Well, now uh, we're getting uh, forecasts from health professionals that we're about to have another wave of COVID, particularly when we get into the colder air outside where people are inside more often. Um. Duncan, tell us, where does all this stand? We've, we've had all this litigation back and forth on uh, mandates for uh, masks, mandates for vaccinations. What do you do if you test positive? How often do you need to be tested? Give us kind of a rundown primer of where we stand right now as we enter into the possibility of another COVID wave. Okay, as it stands right now, as we record this on September 15th, because God knows this can change, first off, there is no mandate to get vaccinated. want to make that perfectly clear. The courts have ruled on that. Um, the Biden administration is not pressing this. So as of this moment, and I don't foresee there being another mandate, do I personally think it's a good idea to be vaccinated? I'm one who always gets vaccinated for the flu. I'll get vaccinated for COVID as well just as a, a, a health precaution. And I would urge others to contact their health professionals uh, to do the same. But that's a personal choice on that. If you do contract COVID, what they are saying is, is please do not come in to possibly spread it to others. Common sense. Um, if you're supposed to be coming in to uh, on telework days, you know, your non-telework days, Contact your manager, let them know you've got COVID. Um, They may ask you for some documentation and may be able to waive the fact that you may have to come in the two times a pay period. 
if you have come in contact with someone with COVID but do not have COVID, then there you are asked to please, and this is for people who are either contractors or um, employees, to wear a mask. So to, you know, basically as a courtesy to others and to make sure that you don't possibly spread it. And the big thing is, is now how they're judging COVID in different areas. If you are in an area where hospitals, in a county where hospital admissions are spiking due to COVID, then they will impose on contractors and employees a mask restriction that when you come in, you do have to wear a, uh, a proper mask. Now, that's going to be done, you know, how it's going to be done, how it's going to be announced. We're not sure yet what is the level of admissions to hospitals in counties. We don't know that level yet either. I think they're still working that. But that would be the way that you would have to come in wearing a mask. But again, a vaccination, while strongly suggested, is not mandated. Well, it should be noted that at least we have ways to treat COVID now. You know, when you and I started this podcast, uh, medical science was still in the process of trying to figure out how to treat people. The vaccination was, uh, the vaccine was actually under development at that time. And there'll be a booster shot available very soon, as will the flu shots be available. So if people need COVID shots or want COVID shots, will they get time off to do that? They absolutely will. That is still part of the contract. You still get time to uh, to take those, get those shots. Uh, the flu shot has been in there for several contracts. COVID has been in since this latest one. We want to make sure that the people who do want to, uh, you know, try and be as safe as possible are given the time to do that. All right. Thanks for that update. I think it's important that we know that because the forecasts are we'll see COVID coming up, particularly in metropolitan areas. And, and particularly when we have colder weather in, in most, of, most of the country. And uh, when that happens, people will not be outside as much. And uh, the spread can, can if, if there is a, another wave, can, can, can be a problem. So uh, good advice. Heed that advice. And uh, if you have any questions, talk to your local chapter in Chapter 49, Duncan, or any of his stewards. Let's move on because we continue to have this debate. Uh, you and I have talked about this before. There are people uh, that in, are either in government or candidates to be in government who still want to change the way federal employees are employed. It's called Schedule F. To put it simply, will federal employees continue to have civil service protections? Will it continue to be a merit system? Will there still be an insulation from politics? which is how the civil service was set up well over 100 years ago federally. Now, I want to do something here. Uh, there's been a recent study done that was noted in Government Executive Magazine on their website. And the experts are people who, who are studied these issues for years. And they wrote an article for that website the Government Executive Magazine has. And I'm going to quote that. We find that merit system appointments, tenure protection, and professionalism are strongly associated with higher government performance and lower corruption. Our findings are unequivocal. 
merit system appointments and protections from politicization highly likely to degrade government performance. So our current system is working. It's not perfect, and we make changes now and then, but overall it is a good system, and if we change it uh, with this whole Schedule F proposal to make federal employees at will or something close to that, that would, in fact, degrade government service, something you and I have talked about uh, for some time. Yeah, this is one of those things. I'm uh, glad to see a study that I believe states the obvious, but it's uh, a very good language and very clear cut. Yeah, this this whole thing with these some of these folks who are running for office that they'll go beyond Schedule F, that they'll have massive uh, firings or furloughs, things of that nature, because we just don't need the number of federal employees that we have. I really can't speak for sure on other agencies that NTU doesn't represent. I can tell you that the 35 different agencies that the National Treasury Employees Union represents, because I've talked to just about somebody from every one of these, you know, they're understaffed just the same as we are here at the IRS. We're getting better here at the IRS. We're starting to hire more, but we're still woefully understaffed. And for, you know, when you hear comments like we're just going to get the government and we'll put in the right people and people who have the right attitude, that it, it just is nonsensical to me. You're playing to uh, your base. I understand that. I understand, you know, the politics of it. Absolutely. But to denigrate folks who are in here busting their butts every day is just shameful to me. Well, and I think that this study just verifies what you and I have seen, but I have seen in my life when you know, state governments were slow to get into merit system. They still had a lot of uh, people who were at will, which meant every time the political party or even a governor changed, you would have all wholesale firings, all new people in who had to learn the job from scratch again, Man- including the, man- the top managers all the way down to the person that swept the floor. So... Um, I think this is verification that this this idea that we should have at-will employment in the federal government, it would not be good for the public. I mean, people say we're looking out for ourselves. Well, I mean, we like the system we have. We think it's a good one. But we also realize that for the public to get the service it needs and to keep politics out of it to the extent possible, the current system is, is working as well as could be expected. Not that it's perfect, and we do tweak it uh, on, on occasion. But uh, overall, it's a good system. Let's move on. You already uh, alluded to telework as it applied to COVID policy. There's been a lot of talk about telework. There's one, I won't even mention their names. I won't give them that uh, dignification. But there's, there, there, there's a handful of, of, uh, of people in the Congress who basically have said a couple of things. Number one, if people are teleworking, they're goofing off. I mean, this is paraphrase. They're goofing yeah. off. They're not doing their work. They're not, you know, et cetera. And who knows, maybe they're getting locality pay they shouldn't be getting. This is what they're saying. These elected officials do not know what they're talking about. I'll just be blunt about that. I'm going to give you a chance to get into more detail. But there was a recent uh, hearing in the House of Representatives Again, controlled by Republicans, and they were asking these agency heads, a whole panel of them, about telework. 
And there was a, a statement made, a long one, but I'll just quote a very small part of it. Man who calls himself Tex Alice. He's a deputy undersecretary for management at the Homeland Security Department. And when he was asked about this, he said the following, and I quote, The important part isn't whether an employee is teleworking or not. I just want to know whether they're working, unquote. Isn't, doesn't that sum it all up, Duncan? It absolutely does. If you've got somebody who is not performing well and needs some either counseling, mentoring, or um, something stronger, then it doesn't matter whether they're at home. It doesn't matter whether they're in the workplace or out in the field. That's, they're not going to be doing their job regardless. Um, you know, study after study has shown that for uh, the vast majority of employees who are teleworking, they are more productive from their telework site than they are from the office. So when you, you know, again, this is folks playing to their base. And uh, and again, there's this is a lot of D.C. centric stuff because there are an awful lot of empty buildings in D.C. and a lot of folks who are struggling uh, restaurant-wise, uh, groceries, things of that nature, because they're, the folks aren't in the buildings, they're working from home. And I feel for them, I understand it, but our government employees should not be penalized for able to be working from home if they're doing the quality work that they should be. And the vast majority of everything, every indicator that we've seen shows that they are. So once again, telework, we think, is working. It is not reducing productivity. And, Duncan, I think I, you could probably make a very compelling case that it has increased productivity. I think it absolutely, the studies out there show that. Well, Duncan, it's time for our final comments. And you and I have decided that today our final comments will be centered around the recent anniversary on 9-11. We really miss getting close to it because uh, we didn't have a podcast last week. But we don't want to to miss a chance to uh, talk about this again. So let's start with your thoughts on, on 9-11 and the anniversary. I think it's about the 22nd anniversary that uh, we observed this year. Yeah, at the time of 9-11, uh, um, I was the, the chapter vice president and president-elect. And, you know, when this when this came down, I was in the district director back when we had district director's office uh, talking to them about trying to get this shut down. And I was absolutely infuriated by an assistant to the district director at that time. I will not mention his name because I can't do it without cursing uh, because of this thing. I And, you know, just basically it's like, look at what's happening. We're sharing on the news. We're showing this. Um and it, it was just heartbreaking and heart-wrenching and never want to see it again. And finally, the district director came out of his office because he heard us shouting, which for me is a rare occurrence, but I was absolutely shouting. Um, and we did work to get things shut down. And I, you know, as much as I felt that on September 11th, the government offices here in the IRS in the state of Indiana should be shut down. I also felt it was extremely important for me to come in on September the 12th and come into work as I normally would and, you know, hope that my other fellow employees would as well to show that, you know, yes, we've, we've taken a hell of a blow 
and it was devastating. It was awful. It should never have happened. But that's not going to stop us from doing the job that we need to do, being the people that we need to be. And I think about that every single year, as well as the loss of the terrible loss of life from the folks who were in the buildings, as well as the first responders and those folks in Pennsylvania who lost their lives because they were not going to bend to the will of terrorists. You know, Duncan, I, do, I, um, I think you were actually ahead of the game in Indiana because it was just one an hour, less than an hour after you made that decision uh, at Indiana that the entire nation shut down. All federal agencies shut down, and they did that because nobody knew what was coming next. That's, you know, the, the government internally uh, didn't have a widespread idea. Of, it wasn't spreading intelligence as to what may or may not come next. Of course, that's when they shut down the whole air system, all all. Uh, all airplanes were grounded, for example. I, I, th- I would have to say that what I thought about this this year when uh, commemorating 9-11 was um, the trip that Jane, my wife Jane and I took in 2019 to New York City. And we saw a lot that day. But the most compelling thing we saw was the 9-11 memorial, which you always see again uh, when uh, you see the TV uh, commemorations and so forth. There's so much uh, that is done there. But that memorial, you know, is just amazing and i hope anyone who has not seen it if you ever visit new york city please do everything you can to see that memorial it is very special i always wondered how will artists and and the designers be able to come up with a proper memorial for 9-11 well they did it in new york city it's just incredible and i would hope that uh as I said, those of you who have not seen it, get that opportunity to do so. And you just heard Duncan Giles, our chapter president. He is my sidekick on all of these podcasts, which is, we've been doing these for more than three years and nobody's canceled us. Yes. By the way, who does cancel us? I'm not even sure how that's done, but we've continued to do this mainly because you have said you enjoy hearing and watching. If you want to uh, get an update, uh, send Duncan Giles an email at nteu49 at aol.com. We'll put you on a list and update you on with links to the video and audio podcasts that we produce most weeks, not every week. But it's always, always a pleasure to have the opportunity to talk to all of you. And if you have any comments about our podcast, please uh, let us know at that email address. In the meantime... Thanks for listening. Be safe and be kind.